0: Hi folks, this is Joe, Dude to himself, on the uh, Two Dudes, One Double Feature podcast. Just a few things. One, yeah, I'm aware that my audio is not as good as it usually is. Uh, there was a oversight on my part, and uh, I apologize for that. But uh, instead of re-recording the episode, we just left it as is. Uh, just because the chemistry worked pretty well, I think, between Richard and I. And also another thing to note is this episode is a little outdated and is sort of an artifact of the past because when we recorded that episode, Avengers Endgame was still the number one movie of all time at the box office. Now it has been dethroned by Avatar and it's kind of wild that a a movie can reclaim that box office title, like it's just kind of wild to me, but Anyway, if the information is outdated, which it will be, uh, that's why. We recorded this episode in February, so there's that. Anyway, you know the drill. Not for kids. Our opinions are not the opinions of our employers. Anyway, enjoy the episode.
1: Welcome... Welcome, everyone, to Two Dudes One Double Feature, the show in which two dudes talk two films, and that is about it. I am Dude One, Richard, and I'm Dude Two, Joe. It is blue shirt, looking good. How are you, Dude Two?
0: Up, uh, pretty good, pretty good. Uh, as I'm recording this, the, the, this weekend, the Muppet Show. Finally, uh, finally arrived on Disney Plus.
1: Did you see that article I sent you? I did. Are you surprised by that at all?
0: No, actually. Okay, so what Richard's referring to is that, like a lot of media from before 2021, and you know all that. There's a I lot mean, befo- of stuff. So- literally,
1: be- probably before like 2014, like, really.
0: <laughs> well, that's de- that's debatable because I've seen like what well, we're talking about, like content warnings. Like, you know, no. cultural advisory warnings, just that, you know, some of the stuff is not so culturally sensitive from that time period, and it was wrong then, it's wrong now, and rather than just kind of bury that stuff, it's there just for, for you to check out, just to kind of see, like, yep, let's let's uh, let's do better. But, you know, there's a couple episodes of The Muppet Show like that. In fact, I remember when they were first put, like, had, like, The Muppet Show page, On Disney+, Plus, they had, like, the cultural, you know, stories matter, you know, all that stuff on the main Muppet page. And then it looked like they took it down, but then they had, like, a 10-second advisory thing baked into the episode already. Kind of like what Warner Brothers did back in the day whenever they put out their old cartoons on, you know, DVD and Blu-ray. Right. And, you know, there's definitely some stuff, like, I was watching... I forgot the episode, there was a couple I was watching, but I remember, like, the Jonathan Winters one, there was a lot of stuff in there, and then, like, uh, there was another episode where there was a lot, like, a lot of the episode was very much, like, you know, this has not aged well at all, but that said, there's a lot of stuff that has aged well, and I think you're able to appreciate the craft and the comedy of, like, the Muppet performers and the writers, as well as just seeing just some, like, guest faces that... You know, you get, like, there's so many, like, like especially, like, movie stars. Like, think about, like, Christopher Reeve. You know, Superman himself. And he, he's on, like, a season four, season five episode. And season four and season five never got DVD releases. Which is pretty ex- pretty exciting that they're finally available. And you could see him do other stuff. Like, just, like, there's a scene where he's doing Shakespeare. But, like, he keeps forgetting his lines. And it, it becomes, like, kind of a farce. And that, that that's kind of fun.
1: That makes me think of an SNL skit he did. It was, it was him, uh, two other people, and they were all auditioning to play Superman. And, like, everything in the audition process wasn't, like, necessarily just read lines of dialogue. It was also, catch a bullet, <laughs> or bend this, and... Uh, <laughs> Uh, his was that he kept constantly struggling to catch a bullet in his mouth because it kept dinging off of his teeth and breaking a window.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then like this like scrawny guy, he might've been in the cast. I'm, I'm not particular, particularly familiar with that era, but like he'd be, he'd come up to Chris and be like, hold, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. You got to do it like this. And then it would just, Psh-ting! and then like, see, that's how you do it. It's <laughs> like, I'm so, I'm so sorry. I'll try my best. But that's what that made me think of.
0: But it's really cool. Most of the episodes are on there. I think, you know, some episodes, not a lot of them, but some episodes, their stuff cut out because of rights issues. Like there's certain songs they just couldn't get Mm -hmm. the rights to use. And also I think that there's an episode where one of the figures on the, like the guest star in the episode is a controversial figure, which I'm not going to get into that because I'm not familiar with the whole situation, but that's why that's not on there. Uh, kind of makes you think of like the Simpsons situation with Michael Jackson, right? Yeah, the one the one episode that's not on Disney Plus. Uh, but overall, you know, it's just great to have these, and they look really good. You know, for for late like late seventies, early eighties, you know, television, um, it, it looks decent. Um, you know, audio audio's nice. Yeah, it, it's just another thing to make that that Disney Plus subscription, you know, really worth it.
1: I like how the list is growing for you because it started off just Mandalorian. Then it was just Hamilton and possibly Mandalorian. <laughs> now now you got the Muppet show to add to it's like, okay, now I have at least three things to make this subscription worthwhile.
0: And there's some good Muppet stuff on Disney Plus. You know, obviously I love the Muppet movie, Muppet Christmas Carol, Muppet Treasure Island, uh I I really like that Muppets A B C show. But it was just it's just nice to have those classic uh those classic episodes. Of the Muppet Show, finally, because they put out DVDs of them years ago, but, again, it's just nice to be able to, again, that era of streaming, just to have the instant access. Like, if I wanted to, I could just hop off this show right now and just pop it on, which I'm not going to do that to you, so don't worry.
1: I was was getting worried, because that seems like something you would want to (laughs) do. Yeah, right, I'm just at the edge of my seat,
0: and I'm just like, oh man, I could be watching like Linda Carter and Mark Hamill on The Muppet <laughs> Show right now. Uh. But I'm stuck here. But, no, I- I'm glad to be, uh, Dang it. To be, I- I'm honestly really excited for the episode, this episode, but before we get into that stuff, how's it going with you?
1: Well, without going too much into it, because I just don't want to, uh, you know, it's it's not particularly great, just got some stuff going on at home but hopefully it's not something that will be a massive i imagine a massive like it's it's just weird <laughs> um but outside of that n- nonsense I, I guess i'm just doing all right uh, i didn't really have anything i, I was trying to think of like what 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 could i say that would be like c- counteracting to the to the unfortunate thing um But I just couldn't really think of anything. I guess the thing I could think of is I got a bunch of movies recently that I pre-ordered. And they all just kind of came in all at once, which was nice. I got um, the first two Blade movies, which I hadn't had. And I just was thinking about them and I wanted to get them. So I got those. Small Soldiers uh, on Blu-ray. I think I talked about that. Um, And I know we'll probably be talking about that at some point. Um, Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I also got, oh, this this is a cool one. DC Universe, which was a show that, or which was an app that lasted not very long, and then was just integrated into HBO Max. You know, they had a bunch of original shows. A lot of them I really liked, but the one I I think I liked the most was probably the animated Harley Quinn show, because it's just super funny. Uh, It's actually got a really good story to it. The animation's actually really good. The voice cast is amazing. They have Giancarlo Esposito as Lex Luthor. I mean, (laughs) I mean, why isn't he Lex Luthor in the movies? We have Jesse Eisenberg. That's what we have. Think about that. (laughs) We could have Giancarlo Esposito, but we have Lex, we have, uh, Jesse Eisenberg.
0: He's been been doing very well for himself, though, that, uh, Giancarlo Esposito, just like on between Mandalorian, of course, years ago, he was on Breaking Bad and uh, he was on The Boys that he had a great scene with, uh, that he shared with Carl Urban in that, in um, that yes. season finale, and that was excellent.
1: I have a Giancarlo Esposito hanging on my wall in my my like little collection of Star Wars figures when he was Moff Gideon. So I
0: <laughs> I have I have two like Funko pops of him. I have him as Moff Gideon, and then I have him where like you know spoilers if you've never seen Breaking Bad, but where he basically becomes Two Face and then drops dead.
1: Oh yeah, that was oh dude that 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 visual was insane. But no, he's Lex Luthor on Harley Quinn, and he's very good. Uh, this, the sad thing was, unlike all the other DC Universe shows, before, you know, obviously everything went to HBO Max, and then DC Universe became whatever it is now, um, I think it's a comic reading app or something, if I'm being, I don't know, they only ever released the Harley Quinn seasons, the two seasons they did, on DVD, and then they recently decided, let's just do a bundle and do season one and two on Blu-ray, so, of course I bought that.
0: That seems the way to go, the way, the way to go with those, like, streaming shows, like, BoJack Horseman, which is one of my favorite shows, was put out on Blu-ray by Shout Factory, and they had seasons one and two and the Christmas episode on like one Blu-ray set.
1: Oh, nice! It's I'm just happy that that, that they actually put the show out on Blu-ray in some kind of high definition form, um, and I'm excited because uh, they they are I think they are doing a third season, so I'm excited to see whatever it is they come up with that. Um, uh, yeah, so. That's that's basically what I've been doing. It's not. It's like a. It's like a mix of different things, but at least I have something to watch.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and this is this is just an off-topic thing that I will cut out of the episode. But did you use that digital code? I did. Okay, good. All right.
1: You know I did because remember I I, sh- I shared the picture. Oh, I had that's the boss right. Baby. <laughs> <Yeah>. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's right.
0: <laughs> We're, we're not mentioning what this is, just uh, in case I keep this in, because it'll be a very, uh, an upcoming episode uh, coming soon. Yes.
1: Yeah, you know, another wink, wink, nudge, nudge. What is the nudge part of that? Is it just like, like when you like go, hey, 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 hey,
0: hey, yeah, yeah, as now, long as it's now, bows, man. Now, now it just sounds weird, like. <laughs> hey, hey 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 and they got no visuals like what are you guys saying
1: jeez now I feel like you have to keep this in just for context yeah I'm gonna keep it in I decided
0: I, we, we made an executive executive decision on this podcast as the two foremost executives on this this podcast
1: <laughs> we are keeping this in officially the only,
0: the only other people who could who could potentially outvote this would be John and Kenny but we're we're, we're literally the two dudes (laughs) so the boat listen if they if they
1: just somehow message us and go no get rid of it then we'll be like oh crap maybe we have to (laughs) uh but but anyway anyway so today's episode is actually kind of um a relevant episode in that i think a lot of it is going to be us talking about one of our favorite things which is going to the movies these days, I mean, you've heard us talk about this so much. If you listen to this show, or at least according to Joey, no one listens. But you know,
0: if you do, you've probably heard us talk about this. You know what? You know what? Let, let, let me clarify that I don't listen to this show. There is probably a lot of other people, who do. but I mean, you know what? You have
1: a good excuse though. So because I already hear
0: the episode. <laughs> yes, exactly,
1: exactly. Um, but no, like the uh, the whole movie theater experience is something that feels. For for a lot of people, in a few ways, whether it's because the theater experience isn't available because it's closed, or if you just don't feel safe going to a movie theater right now, it's just become sort of scarce these days. And it's something that I know both Joey and I, while we have access to our movie theaters, we just don't feel comfortable enough at this point to go and see a movie. And even on top of that, most theaters don't even have or at least at the moment don't have movies playing in the theater outside of maybe a couple old movies, a few like smaller movies that they happen to get or movies, you know, here and there. But ultimately it's just it's it's a really weird situation. It's something Joey and I talk about a lot even outside of this podcast. We talk about a lot of things outside of the podcast. We don't just like sit there and just go Uh-huh. Yeah, well sometimes we do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there's so but the thing is like there's so many amazing memories I, that both uh, both Joey and I have had from going to the movies and you know so stuff that you know I think we've grown to appreciate a lot more these days in this time period during covid and pandemic stuff that it's sort of it's sort of like bittersweet like like it's a fond memory but it just makes you sad yeah a little bit and We wanted this episode, uh, especially given that we're talking about two of literally the biggest like box office movies of all time, you know, to be sort of about that. And the first movie we're going to talk about was the biggest movie of all time for at least, at least a decade until, right? Because it was like 2000. Almost, almost
0: a decade, almost a decade.
1: it, It was like right on the cusp of being, of being a full decade. But, um... It's still considered one of the biggest movies of all time, and who knows? Maybe it'll. It probably won't, but maybe 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 it'll. uh, You know, take the spot again, but I doubt it. Uh, Long story short, we are of course talking about the 2009 James Cameron 3D epic Avatar.
0: I see you. I see you. Oh, oh man. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I hope so because it would be real awkward Try like, we have enough time talking over to each other on this show and then it just, it just get real weird, like, oh uh, but anyway, uh, jo- Joey! Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, you're gone!
1: Oh, wait, no, you're here, okay. okay oh, no, you're gone again! Oh, God, okay.
0: Am, am I alone right now?
1: <laughs> what keeps happening? You keep disappearing. Oh, wait, I think it's just I'm blinking. Okay. <laughs> 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 oh.
0: But, but yeah, we're talking about uh, James Cameron's science fiction epic Avatar. Like, <laughs> the, the, like, as people have said, the, the the most successful movie that everybody forgot about.
1: Yeah, admittedly. Yeah, like, the only time, you know, if I'm being honest, the last time I think I heard about Avatar was when uh, our second movie came out. And everyone was like, I hope it overtakes Avatar. For the love of God. Why is that the number one movie? Like it was weird
0: sense of aggravation. It's been like that for years, though. Like, because Avatar, okay, just for people, just you got to understand something about Avatar, okay? It it, James Cameron topped himself. Like Titanic Mm. was the highest grossing movie of all time by a wide margin, and it was the first movie to gross over a billion dollars worldwide at Mm. a time where Jurassic Park was the highest grossing movie of all time. So a long time, long ass time ago. And Avatar overtook Titanic by a wide margin. Yes, you could say 3D, whatever, but you know what? It did. It overtook. It, did it, it by a huge margin. Richard, do you want to? Are you prepared to hear how much money Avatar grossed in total? Yes. Two billion seven hundred ninety million four hundred thirty-nine thousand ninety-two dollars. Good lord! So almost two point eight billion dollars domestically. It earned meaning like US and Canada earned 760 million. Here's the other crazy thing. Like, typically big movies, they have big weekends. Like Avengers Endgame made like three cajillion dollars opening weekend, right? Yeah. Avatar had like a 77 million dollar weekend. Okay. 77 million dollars opening weekend. Now that isn't a terrible figure, but for a movie of that size, you would think, oh my goodness. We're going full panic mode with this, where our studio is done, but no, no, no. No, no, no. Avatar. No, no,
1: no, no, no. no. A-
0: Avatar, like, like, listen, like, I'm just I'm pulling this up real quick, so for- <laughs> forgive me. I, I find this stuff. You're going to get a lot of numbers this episode. You are the box office guy. All right, so Richard, opening weekend, it was number one, right? $77 million. Do you want to guess what weekend number 2 was like? I imagine significantly different. 75 million. This is not
1: it's not maybe not significantly, but it was different.
0: Yeah, but it dropped like <laughs> 1 1.8%. To put that put that in perspective, Force Awakens, which at the time had like the biggest weekend of all time, 250 247 million, it dropped like 50 uh, almost 50%, which that's low for a big movie. Usually these things drop like 50, 55, 60, sometimes like 70% weekend to weekend. Avatar didn't have that. It hasn't it didn't have a huge drop-off. In fact, it was number one from December until the end of January. And movies don't do that anymore. They just no. don't. They don't. They might be number one for two or three weeks if you're lucky, maybe four. Or sometimes you might be like Guardians of the Galaxy, where you come back to number one or whatever. But success stories don't usually happen like that, and a lot of that is because, strangely enough, even though everyone's forgotten about this movie, the word of mouth, two thousand nine, two thousand ten, everybody was talking about this movie.
1: I was talking about this movie. I know that. When, when did you when did, did you see Avatar opening weekend? I th- I don't remember actually. Is that weird? <laughs> uh, again, this is a movie everyone's forgotten about. <laughs> like, shoot, when did I say? No, I. You know what? I think I did because I. I just remember seeing the poster for Avatar on the on like one of those like big bus shelter posters at my local theater. Yeah, where it was literally just like the, the half face Navi one, and it just said Avatar on it, and then it just like I think I don't know if it either said from the director of Titanic. Or if it just said from James Cameron, I imagine it was from the director of Titanic because they wanted to be like, you know. I just, And then I just remember hearing also uh, how this was like the next movie he made after Titanic. And that was like a huge thing people talked about. I know I was actually getting pretty excited for it because like the trailers looked cool it looked like something new and then of course 3d you know that was a big aspect of it you know everyone was talking about like the 3d thing like and what like what that was going to be versus what i guess people were used to with 3d which i think didn't spy kids 3d come out like a few years before that was like the last quote-unquote 3d movie that came out in like traditional way
0: um, in, in the way that we sometimes think about 3D in a lot of ways. Um, like with
1: like the blue, with like the, the blue, blue red glasses mm-hmm. that are like cardboard.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I do remember, this is going to sound real embarrassing, but.
1: And you love Spy Kids 3D. I figured you would know this.
0: Well, now this is, this is going to sound, re- <laughs> this is going to sound really embarrassing. So the other 3D movie I thought about that came out around the time, uh, around the time of Avatar. Was the 2009 family Disney film G Force? I remember seeing that. Huh. In oh 3D. wow! Um, really? And that, yeah. Is I, that yeah. before Avatar? It was before, and there were 3D movies before Avatar. But Avatar, Avatar, what Avatar did was it showed the business. Yes, this is the future. This is the future. You're going to put your movie out in 3D. Look at how much money Avatar made. And we're going to get to the what the, the content of Avatar in a second. It's just, the box office itself is such a monumental thing, because for years, it was the only thing anybody talked about was, okay, will Force Awakens beat Avatar? Domestically, it did. Worldwide, it didn't. Will Infinity War beat Avatar? Uh, no, it did not. Uh, and then <laughs> Endgame end, end beat it, finally, fully. But, you know, it, it, it was, yeah, three, like, this movie, think about, like, Clash of the Titans was upscaled to 3D because mm-hmm. of, and also at Sam Worthington, Alice in Wonderland was a major 3D release right at like pretty close after yeah. Avatar made a billion dollars, which is crazy to think about now.
1: Do I even think about just the whole like conversation everyone had because like you were saying 3D was the way to go, like it was the quote unquote the future of movies. Whereas now we just go I don't buy bo- like personally I don't even bother if there's a 3D option, I'm like nah, I'm just going to go watch the regular version. You know, if, unless it's, like, something, like... I remember the last 3D movie that really enthralled me was, I think... Was it Mad Max? Fury Road? Because Pacific Rim came out before, right?
0: Pacific Rim was 2013.
1: Yeah, so and it was Mad was, Max... Yeah. So so it was Mad Max Fury Road was the last 3D movie that I was, like, oh! about, which... It was just a fun movie to see. But also, but also uh... Pacific Rim was a great 3D experience as well, but um, I just remember the whole conversation of shooting something in 3D versus converting something in 3D, and, like, the whole conversation with that, like, oh, you know, Alice in Wonderland, they just converted the whole thing in 3D, it looks dumb and flat, and I'm like, that's not the only thing about that movie, that's dumb, (laughs) but that's beside the point. Um, But I just remember, like, that like Avatar was that impactful that we thought, yes, 3D was going to be the thing that, and and yeah, it's lasted to some degree, but again, I don't think about it all that much. I, I see the 3D option, but I don't go for it.
0: I see the thing, one thing that I with 3D that always is aggravating is when I get tickets for a movie, sometimes they'll intentionally make the 3D option the only option, or, like, 3D has, yeah. the, 3D has the better times to go. So, more often than not, I go to 3D not by choice, but because there's it's no the other... It's the only option, yeah. There's no other option, but... And there's only a handful of movies I could really think of that were really effective in 3D, and for me, I saw Avatar, like, a month after it came out, after, like, I heard about the word of mouth, and I saw it at my local movie theater, and, you know, it, it was a local movie theater, so I, I don't hold it Did the you same... S- did you see it more than once? I only saw it once in theaters. I saw it twice. I wish I saw it like twice. Um, it was one of those things where it was at. I, I didn't have like ma- many like premium format screenings. Like like if it if it was came if it came out like before the pandemic, I would have loved to have seen it in like Dolby or IMAX or something like that. But I saw it in my local theater, and even even just with like the just the low standards of my local theater, it was still a mesmerizing experience. And I, I also compare three D to like the theme park experience. When you go to a theme park, they have the best three D in town. Like when you you see Mickey's Fill Our Magic, or you see Muppet Vision. 3D, I remember that, yeah. Or it's tough to be a bug and all that stuff. Like the three D experience there. Like I'm like, okay, three D's never gonna be that good until it gets to that level.
1: But you wanna know something funny about that though? Not to not sorry to cut you off, but you know what's funny about that? Because I mean, you had all these experiences with those with those attractions at Disney World. Um, well before 3D became a huge thing, my first time was 2019 <laughs> and so like going is like while it was cool, like they added like you know the atmosphere and the smells and the and the different things that happened. There was a part of me that was just like I, I felt kind of used to it mm. watching it for the first time. And I think a lot of that is probably because of how uh, much I'd seen 3D movies when they initially came out and just like, while it was definitely cool, I definitely watch both the, the Muppet vision, which was really fun and Mickey's fill our magic, which is great. But there is definitely that feeling if it's the first time you're seeing these, I, I imagine it's also kind of like... Because um, I remember when I went to Universal Studios and I was really little, and I didn't get to see it because my sister had to go to the bathroom, and so we, we it was just getting bad and she had to, we had to jump out of line, but we were going to go watch Terminator 2. It was like a Terminator 2 like 3D experience. Yeah. And we got those kinds of glasses. And, and so... It even it's even funny thinking about how this technology which hadn't been incorporated into just normal like box like movie theaters was something that was only really available to a lot of these like theme park attractions it's 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 kind of it's just weird to think
0: about it it, it it is weird but like my first time seeing it like e- despite the fact my, my theater had like low grade like low standards it was an incredible experience like I, I, it was it was truly like going into another world. Like for three ou- or for two and a half hours, I was on a whole other whole other planet, whole other world, and I still get that feeling watching it uh, today. But le- I, I do want to talk about the actual movie itself because I know we're going to talk yeah, about yeah, this yeah. for a while, and it's fine. And that's fine. I have no problem with that. But mm. it, you know the the movie itself. So for those of you for the few people who have never seen this movie <laughs>
1: for for. for... It was probably Brian from Idaho who hasn't seen it, the one person, and you know what? He's dead now. So, in fairness, I don't think Allison's
0: seen this movie either. So, our 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 biggest fans have never seen it.
1: Oh boy!
0: And she has no intention of seeing this, so she, she's going to be like, "All right, I'll listen to you guys and support you guys, but I'm I'm just not going to care." And that's, that's fine, love you, Allison. That's, but that's fair. So, I,
1: I I consider you a friend, Allison. Yeah, yeah. So, Avatar,
0: <laughs> Avatar. For those you don't know. Uh, it features Jake Sully, you know, ex-Marine, played by uh, played by Sam Worthington, who is a, a paraplegic. He's paraplegic, um, and he's given this extremely lucky opportunity to go to tragically uh, lucky, tragically lucky, tragically lucky. Uh, yes, thank you. to To go to this um, this this moon called Pandora this moon called Pandora, and it is like this this jungle, beautiful, almost like garden garden of of Eden type of place, um, with all these strange alien creatures. And there, he's brought there because the, the the military complex, corporation, what have you, whatever you want to call it, what Amazon like RDA will, RDA, what what Amazon will probably become in the future. Um, <laughs> uh, they they want to get. They want to get the minerals, the mine, the gold. You know, you've seen you've seen these movies before with imperialism,
1: as they as they call it in in the movie, which is such an on the nose name, unobtainium. Because you know, because yes. you know, you know why.
0: But yeah. basically, <laughs> you know. a, lo- a lot of the driving force <laughs> of this movie, why it's called Avatars, because they're trying to interact with the Na'vi people, or like these giant blue cat people, right? Yeah, and. They like there's but so not select- cats,
1: not cats,
0: not cats. They, 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 this they looks look so- way better. In fact, <laughs> it's not just, cats. Literally, <laughs> if you just if you just put this movie on mute and listen to the soundtrack of like the Broadway cast of Cats, it'd be way better. But that's besides the point. Yes, yes. Um, so they're trying to interact with the Navi people, the indigenous people that live on Pandora. And one of the ways the the ways they do that is they have the, these avatar bodies where it's like the humans can inhabit a, a Navi version of themselves. So th- th- there's that and basically the story is it's kind of like him uh sort of joining this culture sort of joining this group of people and sort of a major character growth and arc for Jake Sully and uh, and there's all sorts of action and all this other stuff that goes on in the movie. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean, you can almost cuz again, it's it's very much an event movie, which is the perfect type of movie to have at the movie theater. You know, movies that are, like, a lot of these movies typically are pretty short on plot or, like, pretty minuscule on plot or, you know, and that's, I think, uh, one thing about Avatar is that the plot is something you've seen a million times. The the, the dialogue isn't particularly great at all, (laughs) but it's a lot of it is also about the event of it and the spectacle of it. And that's the, that was especially for me watching it for the first time, that was kind of the big thing was seeing Pandora and like, you know, this word is used a lot, but the immersive aspect of it all. And just even, even seeing Pandora from Jake Sully's eyes, which I think, I think is a great like utilization for world building, just like a, a stranger like just in complete wonder and awe by everything like whenever jake sally sees like the bioluminescent aspect of the forest when like the fire goes out and you just see like him just starstruck yeah i'm starstruck you know just see just seeing pandora and seeing everything that was created for this for this uh moon planet whatever it's truly just a big spectacle and it's exciting and so there's a lot of like huge like action scenes, but there's also a lot of stuff with like the animals and a lot of stuff with the the surrounding area and the trees and everything. It's just it truly is magical. And you can definitely understand why Disney turned it into a part of Animal Kingdom theme park.
0: Uh, what's also cool is like what, the way because I watched some of the bonus features, too, because when you first watch the movie, it looks like a very unforgiving place it looks like it looks like a lot, like a lot of like lost world movies do, where you have like the white people coming in into this like this you know with area, and you know you see all these dinosaurs or creatures or what have you. Um, but then in in the case of this one, this story, you know, as the story progresses, it becomes a lot more welcoming. I think about in particular like the floating mountains, how just magical that is, like. It just truly is like, so it's so beautiful,
1: especially with that, with that great James Horner music, Mm -hmm. you know, may he rest in peace by the way, but the great James Horner music that plays, um, when they're flying the helicopter into the, the hallelujah mountains, I believe they call it. And it really is magical.
0: So like, and, and that's one of the other big things too, uh, with, with the movie, just special effects. Like this is this is um, a pretty much full, fully fully digital world, which had only really happened in like Pixar movies and like you know animated movies up to that up to that point. But this was like a major. Um, I know people are going to laugh, call it live action production, but like more more or less somewhat live action production to show this world like that on this scale was never really done before.
1: I mean, there's always been that kind of debate when it comes to motion capture performances. Like whether or not that is which at that time, I believe had only just been used in Lord of the Rings, right? Like that was kind of where it was introduced.
0: You kinda got Lord of the Rings, um, gotta give some credit a little uh to um to Phantom Menace, uh with Ahmed Best's character mm-hmm. of Jar Jar and you know, King Kong, of course, you know, King Kong, um, Pirates of the Caribbean. They're there were movies, but they they did they generated specific characters.
1: It was never like a whole group of characters or a whole world. So, and that's another thing too is that this was this movie was also an exercise in in uh, expanding technology, which James Cameron, if if you can label him as any kind of director, he is that kind of director. He's a guy that sees. Like it's people like James Cameron that give us the possibility to tell greater, more crazy, more outlandish, and beautiful stories and create new worlds in movies. Like he looks at the technology in question and he goes, "We can do this. We can expand on this. We can make this great." And you know that was the whole like that was the whole reason why he waited to do Avatar as long as he was from what I remember. Because so he 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 initially made the story in the '90s, like yeah. the late '90s, early 2000s the technology just wasn't there for him to make the movie how he wanted to make it. And then eventually time came around that he was like, okay, I can do this. And so like, I honestly like, like I might not personally think James Cameron, uh, like can do like great things in every avenue of filmmaking, but you have to be, in- I'm incredibly grateful for him because he, he implements so many amazing things and expands on so many great technologies that, we implement into our own, and they they implement into you know other movies and you know expand on that, and it just makes me knowing that makes me more excited to see like what he was waiting for for Avatar two, and when he's doing the sequels yeah. and stuff. Absolutely, like, I think I think we were talking about that when we were watching. It's just we we know guaranteed that Avatar two is going to be a beautiful movie, like like there's no question if if Avatar one. From two thousand and nine, still looks great today, given like how much he put into it and the technology he had and how he utilized it. Just imagine what Avatar two is gonna look like. I, it's gonna be weird to see like Sam Worthington as a person. <laughs> it's like I can't. I can only see him as a Navi now.
0: Well, literally, he's gonna be a Navi because the way the movie ends, he's just a Navi. Exactly. <laughs> you know, he's just a Navi. But it, that also works to the, these movies' advantage because the movies have taken so long to make. Yeah. That. You know, I, I like if you need to de-age the characters a little bit, it's a bit more feasible to do it with those, like with the, with the Navi people and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, whereas with like when you de-age somebody, like in um, you know the season finale of Mandalorian or, or in Rogue One, it's a it's a trickier thing because you're dealing with a a person as opposed yeah. to a blue a blue person, blue cat person. No, but there's like. We talk about James Cameron, like, he, he's not strong with the screenplay, which is what you're alluding to, but his action, bit, yeah. the ac- the action scenes are, like, he, he might be the greatest action director ever. Like, I I, I watch the scenes in Avatar, okay? I, I know a lot of people love the stuff that happens in Marvel. Like, they like select moments, you know, and that's great, and I love them too. But I just think as, like, a final battle, like, just as a visceral, like, punch-to-the-gut experience as far as, like, this big, like, beautiful colorful blockbuster filmmaking is concerned i don't think avatar has been topped in that regard like people talk about action like when they talk about like john wick or things like that but I, at least for this kind of movie i think about that final battle all mm-hmm. the time just seeing with all like, it's, the banshees it's and the things.
1: the the war scene type yes. scenario yes yeah. exact yeah no i agree with that it's you know he brings like i like i was saying like i i keep saying the word spectacle but it's true um he brings it Tenfold, his A game is there. You know, you watch that final scene again. Every and everything comes into play. So like the visuals, the way that the scene lit, the way that the music plays, the you know the the different character moments that happen. I mean, everybody everybody gets some kind of like exciting aspect, and and it's also kind of silly at times in the best ways. Like um the fact that he reuses that same scream, like the or whatever yeah. i can't do it <laughs> <laughs> like like he has he basically made his own wilhelm scream a little bit anytime a soldier got like killed or stomped on or something it it really it really is just like thrilling even like um how the build up to that point like i think of the scene when jake sully is giving that kind of final speech to the na'vi which i always think about how like it's just weird that the whole scenario even came to be that way, which is a typical issue with a lot of these types of movies. But even just the speech and the music and the way everything plays out, you're still just kind of like, yeah, take out the humans.
0: You it's know, a rousing, it's a rousing experience. You know? It is. But I think about like, like just, just all the creatures and and stuff in this movie. Like you have, of course the banshees that, that fly mm. around and you have those, like those, they're just, it's just such a magical thing. Just seeing them, them fly around like the floating mountains and, mm-hmm. and things, or um, just like...
1: You have your own Banshee.
0: I do, because uh, I went to Pandora, and it's great. Um, but I, I, I think about, like, there's some, like, shots and moments that are just so badass, or like, really beautifully done. Like, think about when, like, that, that six-legged horse is running, and it's on fire. It's such a beautifully put-together shot, or mm. or just, or just like, some, some of the close-ups of Nateria are, are great because Zoe Saldana, but also I think they're just well put in into the into the movie and they're well done um or I think about when she's like there's this great like like really cool moment so she's on like the, the I think it's like the thanator or whatever this yeah, pan- yeah panther like thing which is attacking the attacking Stephen Lang oh man that is so it's so cool
1: it's it's so cool I and mean, we you know what we got to talk about the, 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 you speak, you said Stephen Lang, we got to talk about the actors. Yes. Let, let's
0: talk, This is very important uh, because here's this. the
1: thing when it comes to a lot of the actors in this movie. Yeah. Not there. There's some that aren't entirely exciting. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm not talking about Sam Worthington at all. Um, but <laughs> um, there are definitely some actors in this movie that they, like we were saying, they know what kind of movie they're doing. And they're having an absolute blast. Like, even when they get, like, the worst piece of dialogue to say, it works. And it's so, just delivered in such a way that it makes it, like, okay, this is why the dialogue is like this. You know what I mean? I I can't, I, I selected four individuals specifically that I thought perfectly encapsulated. The people that truly knew what kind of movie they were making. Obviously, Stephen Lang is one of them. Yeah. Sig- Sigourney Weaver. Michelle Rodriguez, who's just tailor made for movies like this. Oh yeah, and of course Zoe Saldana. Like, especially Zoe Saldana. Like, because she, because of the important of the importance of her character. If you didn't have someone as talented as she is playing that role, it would have failed.
0: Not just that, but she was the basis for the rest of the Na'vi. Like James Cameron said this to her. Like, listen, whatever the, whatever accent you go with and the way you do the di- dialogue and the movements. That is the, ba- that's like, def- she's the default Na'vi. You know, she has to set the standard for what all the other actors who are playing Na'vi have to go off of. And she gives a, he- she gives a hell of a performance. She is, just she is really, like, as far as like the, emo- she's the emotional anchor as far as like the characters. Um She is. I- I- if she didn't work, th- I- I- we would not be talking about this movie. I think we'd be like, uh, Really? Really? <laughs>
1: You could have done better, Zoe. We so we, we saw you in Star Trek and Pirates of the Caribbean and Avengers. What happened in Avatar? <laughs> <laughs> Which, thankfully, we're not saying that at all. No, for and sure. And on that note, too, Zoe Saldana has just had a great career in general. And, I mean, she's in, and we'll probably talk about this a little bit more later, but she's in, she's been in the biggest movie of all time for years and still is. yeah. In the biggest movie of all time, which is the craziest thing. So uh, all I'm saying is, filmmakers, cat, if you want to make if you want to make a billion dollars, cast Zoe Saldana because not only will you get a great actor in your film, it'll also probably make a lot of money. Just saying, <laughs> I'm just throwing that out there as a little bit of advice.
0: Yeah, as far as like main actors are concerned, main actors in a movie are concerned, like she she's definitely has has been in a couple like major major productions between the Marvel stuff. Avatar, of course, she was in Pirates. Uh, Start the Star Trek movies. Um, so she's great. She's fantastic. Uh, we got to talk about. We have to talk about Stephen Lang because yes, he he is like she's the emotional core. He is the stereotypical like like com- Colonel like military dude with the big
1: old scar on his head, just like you know like. I've been I've been scarred. I'm, i I my skin is tougher than anything. I'm gonna kill someone. I don't care. I'm like, driven.
0: I love when he says like that one line. I'm I'm gonna mess up the line, but like when he says like if you're looking for a little R and R after Pandora, you might want to try hell. Oh
1: yeah. He's like, ah <laughs> uh, oh, crap. How does he say? It? I actually remember this. I, I keep thinking of out there beyond that fence. Every living thing that crawls, flies, or squats in the mud wants to kill you and eat your eyes for jujubes. And then, like, everyone else, like, I still love the shot when everyone else is, like, freaking out of him talking about, like, or even with the part when he says, I will not succeed in saving you. Not with all of you. (laughs) And then, like, there's, like, people going, What? (laughs) And then Sam Worthington's just just there, like, This is good. <laughs> yeah because that's his that's his type of environment because he likes
0: that you know a marine you know so he kind of he connects with him initially in in, in that sense but mm-hmm. dude Steve, Stephen Lang like there's so many just like even just like the smallest the smallest lines like shut your pie hole or <laughs> shut
1: your pie hole
0: or uh I love it when they're doing like the, the like the, they're in, like the final battle or, or, or whatever It's like i want to be home by dinner <laughs>
1: Dude, any dude, I anytime he is so driven to like kill someone and he just like bursts out of like the safety areas. Like it makes it's there's sort of a relevant a weird relevance now because it makes just makes me feel like the people that come into places without masks on.
0: I'm so glad you brought you brought that up and I feel like that that moment like says so much about his character. Like it again so we does. talk about how the script of Avatar isn't great, but I think James Cameron is very good at establishing who who some of these people are, you get you get instantly what what kind of what kind of people they are. Like I think about Sigourney Weaver when we first see her in this movie. Somebody get me my goddamn cigarette. <laughs> or or
1: as the family version says, who's got my stinking cigarette?
0: Yes, because there is a family audio track for this movie. It's on Disney Plus as well and the Blu Ray. Which is kind of funny.
1: It's the greatest thing. I'm so glad that I found it. I'm so glad you told me about it. Because now, like, I literally went to that first one. I'm like, okay, they're definitely going to have something for Grace. Because she's just throwing out, you know, quote-unquote bad you know, curse words all the time. So i was like, I'm ready. And then instead of saying "goddamn cigarette," she goes, "Who's got my stinking cigarette?" I,
0: it killed me. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty. It's it's pretty funny. <laughs> it killed me. Yeah, like she she's you know she's the tough like tough scientist who wants who wants nothing to do with Jake Sully because you know I, I don't know if we went too much into this but she wanted his brother to be part of the Avatar program, and he unfortunately gets killed off before, you know, before the movie begins. And
1: again, that, just even that, like, introduction is a great, like, showing of what type of character she is, because anyone else would just be like, I'm sorry for your loss, even if they're, like, mad at you, they'll just, like, ignore you or something, or, that's like a trope, I feel like a lot of people don't just, but with her, she's just like, yeah, I don't want you, I want your brother, and he's like, he's dead. And, and then like he's like i'm sorry that's a bit, and obviously he deserves to be offended that this you know woman that he's never met is just you know coming down on him at first for something that was kind of messed up and then she and then she just doubles out she's like how much lab training have you had huh <laughs> and so there's clearly like an animosity but you know what it all works in the end because they become like really close so i thought that was cool
0: yeah, I mean, especially when you watch the extended ver, uh, the extended version of this, which is what we watch. We watch it has like sixteen minutes, I think, of additional yeah, stuff.
1: Yeah, the collector's extended edition. Yeah,
0: like it, it, it adds, it really adds a lot. You know, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But and then we, Michelle Rodriguez, I don't know if there's too much we can say with her. She's badass in the movie.
1: She has, she has some of the best like, like kind of cool, sort of like, like somewhat sassy like line deliveries. In the movie, like she has a lot of great, great one-liners. Like, uh, the part when uh, they're going through the Hallelujah Mountains, the floating mountains, and uh, they're like, they' she's like, "It's messing up the instruments or whatever," and she says it in a technical way. And Norm's like, "What does that mean?" It's like, it "Means you got to see where you're going." <laughs> like, "Oh, that's that's not good." Like, "Yeah, ain't that a bitch?" <laughs> 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 it's like, yeah, eh, that was great. Or, like, uh, when she brings them food when they're, like, imprisoned by the, the army guys. <laughs> and she puts the
0: gun out. She's like, yeah, you know what that is. Get <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Yeah, there, there are some nice little gems uh, like that. But now I feel like we've come to the point. Uh, let's also briefly mention, before we get to this factor, uh, uh, West Studi, I think is how you... Yes,
1: Wes Studi, who's uh, he's like the 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 he's like the king, the, 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 the chief.
0: chief, the chief of the Omotakaya people, you know, mm-hmm. and uh Niteri, Zoe Saldana's dad in the movie, and uh, CCH Pounder is in this um as as um as Niteri's mom.
1: Oh oh no, I was thinking of someone else.
0: You're thinking of um. I know who you're, you're about to mention though. Yeah,
1: Khan is her name.
0: No, A- Khan was the. Uh, was the husband? I think. Was oh, was it? Was it? The, uh, yes, Khan and Mo, Moat. Moat. Moat is, uh, yes. Moat is CCH Pounder, and but Sute is. You just you pointed this out to me not that long ago. It's played by uh, Laz Alonso, who that name sounds familiar because if you've seen The Boys, he plays Mother's Milk on that show.
1: mm Hmm. And that was like the craziest thing, just like because you know obviously we both love The Boys, and you know Mother's Milk's a great character, uh, and so. To, to come to that, realize I was like, "Holy crap, it's the same dude!" It was just kind of a cool moment,
0: and it's actually cool because in the bonus features, he talks about like his first day of shooting, where he literally had to incorporate all of his Navi training into one scene. So, like the scene where he gets introduced, he had to do horseback riding, dismount from his horse like a Navi, move like a Navi, speak like a Navi, hold the weapon like a Na- Navi. All these things had to come into play, and speak in the in the native in in, in the in the language of the of the navi and it's just like all this stuff that you have to that you don't usually consider for like a performance
1: it's all but it's all but it's all on play and it's and can we just also i know we've just keep kind of backtracking this but uh the fact that you know we talked about this a little bit with the atlantis episode the fact that they made their own language yeah like like i feel like that is what really kind of truly made the whole world feel real is the fact that they have their own i always like i just like that detail like like you know we talked about with atlantis and how you know the atlanteans have their own language and or even klingons in star trek have their own language I i always thought that was kind of a cool detail just to make really make things come alive a little bit more
0: like the average audience doesn't think about it, but it's like if you're somebody who who get, kind of gets invested and interested, like kind of like what we do, you really just appreciate it that much more. Just like because again, again, how many how many other like modern movies really have that approach? Because so many like big blockbusters are just the super. Not uh, we like superhero movies, but like there are just superhero movies, and you know they they go by a specific thing, and it's like they have so a much...
1: guidebook that they that they didn't make.
0: Absolutely. But let's talk about... I don't want to avoid this any longer. Let's talk about uh, the character of Jake Sully and uh, the biggest issue uh, with this film.
1: (laughs) Well, um, there's a typical trope with these types of movies, and a lot of types of movies, really. I believe it's called the white savior uh, trope. Yes. Where basically you have uh, minority characters or indigenous characters, and uh, a white dude comes in, and uh either typically the white dude is either like going against them but then falls in love with the culture but then has to become not only like an instrument in helping to save the culture but the person that actually saves them
0: in some cases not even just the person that saves the culture but like becomes an even greater
1: like a god
0: like a god or, or like the uber like in this case like the uber navi
1: the um Toruk makto as he is called in the movie yeah. um the Rider of the Last Shadow. I remember all that. I just don't remember whose names is who. Sometimes I, I, I I'll take fault at that. But, <laughs> um, but no, this movie is very much in that ballpark. With this one, it's definitely prevalent. I mean, Jake Sully, you know, he comes in. He's he's fascinated by Pandora and the Na and the Navi and the Omaticaya, but at the same time, he still has that mission of like. I'm going to try and, like, infiltrate and then help hopefully get the people to move so that all of my comrades, a bunch of white people as well, tip mostly, um, will start digging and getting uh, the unobtainium and then, you know, X, Y, and Z. But, of course, he falls in love with the, with the people and uh, he admits what he did was wrong and, obviously, they start pushing him away and then... Uh, Push comes to shove, and this is the part that I that I, I keep wondering. Like it just feels weird the way that this plays out. I get he has good intentions as far as the plot, but at the same time, there's still a weird aspect to it. So earlier on in the movie, once Jake Sully has become uh, a, a a banshee riding, hunting you know badass Navi, uh, he interacts with something called Taruk or Taruk or. Hopefully I'm saying something
0: like that, yeah.
1: Which is a huge banshee, but it's like red and it has these like uh fins or like these like tusks or something that are like on the top and the bottom of his head. And uh it turns out this is a very legendary animal in Pandora, and only and there's like only so many people who've actually been able to bond and ride this animal. And Jake Sully takes the opportunity knowing what he knows about the story to try and do that and it works and so he instantly gains the respect back of the Na'vi after you know admitting that he was wrong and it's just again it's kind of a weird moment
0: it it is definitely weird and and that and I know we we talk about this too with movies where like sometimes like you might enjoy a movie but politically speaking or like some of the tropes or things that it does you're kind of like Eh, like I think I think about King Kong, obviously, as I said, it's my mm-hmm. favorite movie. But there's a lot of uh, problematic things that go on in King Kong, and things you could talk about for days and days and days. And Avatar is also a very prevalent example too, because A, it was the biggest movie ever, and and B, it's not that long ago. I mean, this movie is only only a few years more. Like it's eleven years old at, at, as we're talking about this right now.
1: At best, this this movie would be like in fifth or sixth grade.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, (laughs) That's a (laughs) a funny, that's a funny uh, um, uh, metaphor. But yeah, like like this this movie is not that old, so I think that's part of like the 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 discussion on this. And my thing with it is, again, I wish there was a different way they could have done it. And people also bring up like Pocahontas a lot when they talk about this movie. And I feel like the difference with Pocahontas is that. Uh, at least Avatar isn't a movie using real historical characters and yes, being marketed yes. to children. I feel like that—that's why Pocahontas. I'm just gonna say straight up, is my least favorite Disney movie, and I don't think that will ever change. And I, there's some good songs, there's some good animation, but it's just that that just that weird insidious nature of like presenting that presenting that to kids. I yeah. just think is extremely like this. Yes, there are obviously connections with colonialism, with the white savior trope, but at the very least, too, it is also an alien action adventure science fiction, almost fantasy mm-hmm. movie. So it kind of has at least that. It's not. It's not. Again, I know it's not. It's it's not like perfect in that regard in its politics. But
1: you know what's funny though? Like I I just I I you know I talked about earlier. Like movies that I bought, but I got um, season one of Lovecraft Country. And there's in the first episode, there's a scene where the main character Tick is uh, having to walk home with uh, one of the other bus, because it's set in the 50s and Jim Crow and stuff, right? And all that. So obviously, the, there was a bus that broke down and they couldn't get a ride because unfortunately. So they're walking down uh, the street, and he's explaining to uh, this other bus passenger he's with a store, a book that he loves called John Carter of Mars, which is another kind of big pulpy thing. Um, and of course, the first thing he mentions that he was a soldier for the Confederacy, an ex-soldier for the Confederacy. Yeah, and that's something that she goes, "You, you said he was a Confederate. I mean, he fought for slavery. I mean, <laughs> and, and he, and then uh, his response is, you know." people change and uh you you let you you like stories the same way you like people you know they have flaws but you know yada 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 and also just the excuse of like you know he likes pulp stories but it just made me think of that just like that how that kind of relates a little bit
0: right and then let's let's get into because there's not too much more we can say with with that it's the white savior thing that it that it's there it's there you can't really it i mean avoid it,
1: it. It, it it's something that needed to be discussed yes. because it it's an it's an unfortunate aspect of the movie but it's not like it we can go back and refilm it
0: no uh but but but, but sam worthington we didn't we we didn't get to talk too much about him <laughs> he, he's the batman of this episode <laughs> he is the batman of this episode he's our main character like the main thrust of the story and it's like oh <laughs> oh, oh yeah. by the way Uh, No, but Sam Worthington, um, I'm not going to say he's a Shakespearean actor. I'm not going to say he's something, you know, oh my God, he needs like 15 Oscars or anything like that. I think like James Cameron, you know, because the movie's called Avatar, right? Mm -hmm. The movie's called Avatar and we're introduced to this strange, crazy world of Pandora, right? And you need somebody who is kind of like that audience surrogate character. You need somebody who is who is just looking at everything and kind of going like, "Wow, like this is pretty, this is pretty wild, guys." You know, and I think I think part of it is the performance, but also what James Cameron wanted to get out of the performance. So hmm. Jake Sully and by default Sam Worthington are sort of the avatars for us to get into uh, to get into this 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 crazy, strange, uh, fantastical um, world.
1: Yeah, that's that's better than I would have said. I would have said I am not a big fan of him.
0: <laughs> well, because like, like like again, I feel like in a lot of these movies, you, too, you put it who, in a good who, way. I think I I I because I, I don't want to dunk on anybody because again, yeah, you know whose whose movie this is? It isn't Sam Worthington's movie. It's not Sigourney Weaver's movie. It sure as hell ain't Michelle Ma- Michelle Rodriguez's movie. It's James Cameron's Avatar. Mm-hmm. And that happens with these movies too, where like, we talk about Christopher Nolan with the really dumb Batman voice, right? Yeah. Where people go, oh, you mean Christian, Christian Bale. Bale. Well, the Christopher Nolan Batman movies.
1: Yeah. With Christian say... Bale's voice. Yeah, You said, yeah, you said I... Christopher Nolan's Batman voice. So I just got confused. Well,
0: okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. But the Christian Bale voice. Okay. Like, mm. yeah, it's dumb. Yeah. He did it. You know whose fault that probably is though? Christopher Nolan.
1: Well, actually, Christian Bale said that he came up with it, and that's how he got the job because he changed his voice. But that's beside the point.
0: I, I, but Christopher Nolan still left it in the movie. He left. He left it in the movie. He left but, it in the movie. So we make not, it, we make fun of it forever. It's
1: it's there, but creatively, creative choice wise, it was Christian Bale. But I just talking about pure performance wise. I mean, like you said, you don't want to, you know, talk bad about anyone. I get that. I'm not particularly a fan of Sam Worthington no. in any movie I've seen him in. This one, he's okay. There was literally a point I thought he was just playing the same damn character. Like, every character sort of looked the same, acted the same I in all mean, of his movies. I mean, Perseus in <laughs> Clash of the Titans. <laughs> I mean, it's just... I think I fell asleep in that movie, not from like my typical falling asleep, but just, I was not, I just didn't care anymore. Like I fell asleep and then like I woke up and he was finding the crack and I'm like, Oh, that's fun. (laughs) But I do think your point and how you look at it, especially, you know, trying to like kind of shift it in a more positive way. I think it's, it's the best, it's the best way I've seen someone describe that and in the, in a positive way. And I think that's, it's something that makes sense and it works.
0: I think it's a very conscious choice, you know? Yeah. Because whether or not, whatever, like, the director wanted that in there. Yeah. Like, the director w- wanted that. James Cameron wanted that. I mean, he's coming, <laughs> uh, what's the Sam's Worthington's coming back for the sequels. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, it's, he, he's got him, And it's just, he's going to be there. So, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, at least it's a better way to look at it than you know at least for me just being like it's not my favorite part but it's not admittedly when i watch the movie it's not something i i think about all the time like yeah i'll make fun of the dialogue and like the
0: voiceover narration he does but that's what i think kills it is the narration Yeah. Like, kind of like with blade runner like the narration in the theatrical cut is just kind of like uh... yeah it's it's not
1: it's not good it's not no, good it's at all not. but it, at the very least when i'm watching the movie i'm not thinking of my disdain or my un, 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 uninterestedness whatever uh in regards to Sam Worthington but i am thinking about how cool pandora is i'm thinking about how great the action scenes are i'm thinking about how much i love Zoe Saldana and a couple of the other performances and you know and like and it, so in in relating to to what you said it makes a lot more sense and i think it's a it's a really good way to look at it that he is really the eyes of the audience so we're not necessarily meant to relate to him we're meant to see as he sees at the world that we're kind of experiencing
0: when he's like in a situation where he's just incredibly scared and frightened. We're a little like concerned when he's looking at the majesty of like all these, all these wonderful magnificent things going on. We're sort of feeling that when he's out out there trying to say, trying to save this, this planet and be a tree hugger, we're sort of feeling that as well, you know, as problematic except, as the <laughs> trope is, I was
1: gonna say. Except we don't want to. We don't want to just be that guy. Like, no, no. You guys will help. I'll help you. <laughs> I'll help yeah. you save them. But that's about it. I'll be like Trudy or Norm. <laughs> like they just help. <laughs> <laughs> Norm. Oh Norm. He just. Oh man, Norm just gets. Uh, I feel bad for Norm a little oh, bit. Oh, you know what?
0: Actually, speaking of that, my other big complaint with this movie, and I brought this up to you. Think about the Na'vi characters that we know, not the Avatar people, the Na'vi. So we got yeah. Etukan, Mo'at, Natiri, Sute, and then other other people.
1: Everyone else that we don't
0: interact with. I wish we had one or two characters who were like, you know, just just there just to keep make things a little different. Like there's a scene that's only I believe only in the uh, special edition. I don't remember this in the theatrical cut where there's, like, a little, like, Pandora ki- like, you know, little Na'vi kid who kind of was, like, kind of, like, smiling at him or, like, try, you know, trying to, like, figure out who this Jake Sully guy is. Mm. You know, do you remember Do you remember that? A little bit. A little bit. It's a very small moment, you know, and I feel like if you had stretched something like that to maybe, like, be, like, a smaller-ish subplot, you know, because the other hard thing is, too, Natiri's sister is dead, and I feel like that could have been... That could have been a character potentially. That could have been like, okay, we have another Navi character who maybe, maybe doesn't fully trust Jake Sully, but is like maybe more open to, to him yeah. coming in. Because I feel like we needed something like that. I don't know. That's just that's just no. Me.
1: I I think I think that's a good point though. Just I would it would have been nice to have more of a connection with the people as much as we have a connection with the the land and and the creatures and like seeing like. The whole experience in that because we we I know we're supposed to connect with the more humans and and see from the humans perspective which is the whole point of a lot of these kind of world building movies but it would have been it definitely would have been nice if there were probably a a couple more characters to help
0: elevate that a little bit more I agree well we've talked about this movie for over an hour I I figured we would (laughs) you know what I mean it's a movie. Because, again, it's a movie that people... Like, there are videos about Avatar, but there's it's not like everyone and their mother are making, like, video essays about Avatar. No. You know, it's... it's um, I think it's a, it's a very strange um, thing that happened that I think, for the most part, is kind of a wonderful thing that happened. Outside of, of course, the problematic white savior tropes that we already mentioned. We have to mention, because it's awful. But uh, beyond that, it really is, like, just a great adventure film. Really a beautiful case of world building. And quite honestly, I can't wait for the sequels.
1: I'm very excited, actually. I am
0: so excited. With that said, we're going to fly off on our banshees for a bit. And when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about the culmination of what feels like a bunch of movies. Stay tuned.
1: Welcome back. In our last segment, we talked about Avatar, not The Last Airbender, though. This time, we are talking about, of course, the current greatest, biggest, whatever you want to call it, movie of all time, title holder thing. I lost my train of thought. Anyway, we're talking about the 2019 uh, MCU finale, I guess, uh, Avengers Endgame.
0: I don't have anything clever to do for Avengers Endgame.
1: (laughs) Ah,
0: do <laughs> it!
1: Your lack of creative scares has scared me.
0: No, okay, you know what? I, 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 I got one, you ready? Take the goddamn phone. Ah! <laughs> I don't want a picture with you, Ant-Man! Oh my god, Richard. Like, this is another topic, but I have Avatar Plague in the background, and like the llama thing just did... <laughs> <laughs> that, i love that face we, we will have to share that picture uh what we're posting about this movie. oh oh
1: oh i will I'm gonna, I'm gonna i'm gonna download a picture after we record it i'm gonna save it for when that was
0: time to use it so oh my god so avengers avengers endgame i mean this movie i mean avatar we talked about in relation to other movies because of the sheer box office numbers, and just because James Cameron is attached. Yes. Avengers Endgame, you have to talk about other movies, because it is... What is it? The 22nd? 23rd? It's the 22nd,
1: I think. Because okay. I think the 23rd is far from home. Spider-Man. Yeah, it's the 22nd.
0: The 22nd movie in this franchise has been running since 2008, and... it's it's still funny to think that even though like it feels like the mcu is omnipresent i know people who have never watched a marvel movie same
1: the first that's the first like when someone brings up um any kind of avengers or iron man or any of those characters the first thing they'll say is i haven't really seen any of them but then someone in the back will be like what (laughs) it's like believe it or not yeah there are some people who've never seen these movies
0: which is fine. you probably got better things to do with your time. Sometimes I wish I didn't go out to see Thor the Dark World, but oh, that's yeah, besides the that point. Too. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Avengers Head Game, something, something we have way more yes. uh, positive thoughts on. Um, yeah, it is sort of the the culmination, the the series finale, in uh, in a way, of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, this crazy, crazy film franchise.
1: <laughs> I feel like we had, at least with the, our last one, we had a little bit more like not to sound mean, but a little bit more passion <laughs> in regards to that one. And now with this one, it's more
0: like end game. <laughs> Cause listen, end game's a good movie. It is. And we both agree on that. It is. We both agree. It's a good movie for what it is. There's a lot of great moments in end game. We're going to say that up front, but it's just like Marvel. It can be exhausting. Yes. Honestly, like it is exhausting when you do a Marvel marathon and you watch, you know, up through end game. It's like 20, 22 movies and 23 with, uh, far From Home, and then you're going to have the TV shows incorporated into that. It's and then like, a Black Widow
1: movie's coming out. So, like, it's not ending anytime soon. And if you want to really go for it, you can throw in uh, Age of, a- Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which I never bothered to watch past, like, the first three episodes, if I'm being honest. or Same. <laughs> or, <laughs> um, and knowing what we know in retrospect, I'm pretty proud of that. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, there's, like, all the Netflix shows, which, you know, I love Daredevil. I'll just say that. Daredevil, I mean, personally, I, it's a personal because Daredevil is my favorite Marvel character, but also I thought the show was great. If you really want to go for it, Marvel has a lot. So if you, even without that, it's just, it's a lot.
0: They, they've dominated the pop culture conversation. I mean, when, when, I mean, WandaVision is out now and I have coworkers who have never watched a single Marvel movie and they watch... WandaVision, every week religiously mm-hmm. they talk about fan theories every week it just shows you that marvel even like in like what's been like an off year because obviously the pandemic they haven't really put out a movie like marvel is still like holding your attention you know even like with 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 stuff that sometimes isn't great sometimes there's great transcendent stuff like black panther you know and there's some there's just really just awesome stuff like guardians of the galaxy and whatnot but more uh, avengers end game so Obviously, you can't talk about Avengers Endgame specifically without talking about Infinity War, which leaves off at probably one of the most or at least for maybe general audiences, the most devastating cliffhangers in recent memory.
1: It's it's up there with like Empire, really.
0: It's probably the closest thing that like a lot of kids have experienced to like a like a Darth Vader like, you know, truth reveal or anything or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like they, I mean, I remember people cr- hearing people cry at the end of Infinity War when you see those people just get dusted, especially Spider-Man.
1: Dude, I remember... I actually remember uh, that day really well because that same day, uh, I had a short film playing at... I, my last short film was playing at a, my local theater and so like I have, like a joking animosity towards uh, towards Infinity War like we're going to we're <laughs> going to we're going to beat them at the box office guys come on and then of course like there's like four or five people that I don't know in the theater <laughs> with everybody else that I do know so I'm like yeah I, I, it makes sense um, it's kind of like how with this show... Because we know um, Michelle Obama got her podcast... Pretty much the same time we got ours... So like behind the scenes Joey... Like I'll be to Joey like... We're going to take down Michelle Obama today... <laughs> I don't care how, how amazing she is... Or what awesome guest she has... We're taking her down! <laughs> <laughs> but I just remember like... Um, going to see the movie after after that... Really cool experience... And when we got to the tail end of the movie how like emotionally like drained but also like shocked like like at that by that point like we're already just kind of like oh my god but then like right when you know you see the credits after they've all lost you're just like Ugh. like like it's almost hard to breathe a little bit you're just like oh like that just happened and then there's that weird thought that I had where I was like, what if Marvel Studios like closes down or something, and they're like, we can't finish this, so that's the end of the whole movies. And they just all die. What if that happened?
0: But of course, thankfully it did. No, they're just too <laughs> They're just too successful. Like <laughs> they're just too they, successful. they just, they, like, literally, they they found the golden goose. You know, like, di- I honestly, I would a- almost argue Disney's most valuable arm of their business as far as, like, Marvel, Star Wars, Pixar... Uh, Nat Geo Muppets. I would say I would say Marvel is, is easily their most valuable because yes. because Star Wars has had its roller coasters. People have mixed thoughts. We like some of the stuff that Disney Lucasfilm's been putting out, but some people don't. Some people like some of that stuff. Sometimes we don't like that stuff. Marvel's been pretty consistent. Like Marvel has a generally, generally not always. The consensus is usually pretty clean.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think. When you were describing your experience with Rocky, I think that's a really apt way to describe the MCU as well. I think I we've talked about this too as far just again, just talking about the MCU in general. I would probably say I like sixty percent of not that I hate any of the Marvel movies, if I'm being honest. Um, I definitely don't like some of them, but I definitely in very much enjoy or outright love sixty percent, admittedly.
0: Yeah, it's probably what I would say too.
1: Any movie in the MCU that is even, like, not one of the better ones still kind of feels better than most bad movies. Like, I talk about this a lot even in comparison to the DC movies, which is obviously a connection that will always be brought up in everything, um, is that the worst DC movies are genuinely terrible, whereas with Marvel, they're not outright awful, but they're still better than some other things, is I guess what I'm saying. The fact that they were able to do what they did and get to this point to tell Endgame and tell the story that they wanted to tell is incredibly impressive. And it's it's something that, you know, depending on how far these movies will go, which I don't imagine they'll ever stop until people literally just don't give a crap anymore, which I don't know when that's going to happen. But the fact that they were able to get to this point and do it as successfully as they did, like, you can't help but respect that.
0: Yeah, I mean, it. it it's it's kind of it's kind of crazy that we've got we've gone to this point and that this sort of finale is as good as it is. Mm-hmm. Like like all these like the strange like I remember was it was in movies with Mikey saying like Marvel's studio started with Tony Stark just wanting a cheeseburger, just wanting some Burger King. Mm-hmm. And now we're at we're at a point where Tony Stark is interacting with talking raccoons and and fighting off evil purple grimaces and 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 things like that, and we people still have like an emotional attachment to all of these surrounding things.
1: Uh, not not to like put too much on this, but technically, if it wasn't for the existence of the MCU, we never would have met. This is true. Anecdote time. While my dog is barking, <laughs> so uh, this is an origin story for how the two dudes came to be. <laughs> this is our origin story. So, uh, our mutual friend Gifford, who you knew before I did, he, a while ago, had a Facebook page, a fan page for the Marvel Cinematic Universe that was doing really well. Like, he was, it was a really successful page. And he had gotten a bunch of different people uh, to join the page and help do posts and, and make it bigger and better than it was. And you... And then... I think we had the same trajectory when we both joined, because I think, didn't you, because he created a DC page as well, and you joined that, right?
0: I did join the DC page first, yes. And
1: that was my trajectory as well, because I was doing my my YouTube show, Comics, and my friend uh, that I was doing that with, he joined that page, and then he kind of fizzled out of the show a little bit and just started kind of doing his own stuff. Um, Hi Carter, by the way, Uh, (laughs) if you're listening, how you doing, buddy? I hope I hope you're doing good. Uh, He joined the Marvel page, and so I thought, you know, I would try to join the DC page and, you know, reconnect a little bit with him, but also like, you know, check this out and see what's going on. And I met you, (laughs) and somehow we we connected.
0: Yeah, because I remember that 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 Skype call, our first Skype Skype call that we had, we had Waiky on there and a bunch of people. We were up to like really really early. It, had, it had to have been
1: like four or five in the morning when we like we like, you know what, we should probably stop.
0: We should probably stop. Uh, and then the rest, uh, the rest is uh, is history. And, um, <laughs> and then we decided to record cool.
1: our weird conversations we have.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But now, now, yeah. You know, yeah.
1: But uh, if it wasn't, but yeah, if it wasn't for the MCU and a. Uh, our our good friend Gifford making a page, uh, we wouldn't have uh, wouldn't have become friends. So, thanks Kevin Feige, thanks Giff.
0: This this movie, you know, obviously con- con- uh, continuation specifically of Infinity War. You know, everybody wanted to know what the hell was going to happen. People thought they had the answers. People thought they knew. There was
1: there was that there was that meme of Ant Man crawling up <laughs> Thanos's butt. <laughs> 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 Which is still funny. Like of all the fan theories that I, I'm sure you know, uh, the Russo brothers and and Kevin Feige Listen to. I'm glad that's the one they did not incorporate, admittedly. But it would have been kind of funny. Uh, that would. I kind of wish th- they did. though that that, that, that would have been more acceptable
0: than uh, Jared Leto saying, "We live in a society in Justice League." <laughs> Although it's it's funny you say you bring up Ant Man because Ant Man plays a a pretty big part. He does of this movie. He plays a huge, huge role. I mean, Paul Rudd is so good as that as that character as um, as Scott Lang. He is, and uh, one of my favorite things in the movie is the opening because the opening feels like a Twilight Zone episode. It reminds you, it reminds you, like, okay, this is this event was not just happening to people on the battlefield of Wakanda or on Titan. It was also happening. In other places, even just in the middle of, like, middle somewhere in America or whatever, like, Hawkeye's family just got dusted. And then Scott Lang, who has been in, like, the quantum realm for so long, is trying to figure out what the hell is going on. And then he sees his daughter is grown up, and is you're just like, what?
1: And he, and he sees that, like, memorial with, like, all the names on it of everyone that disappeared. And, like, he's frantically trying to see, like, if his daughter's on there like and he's like panicked and he's like knocking people over he's just like you know oh my god oh my god oh my god and he sees his own name which is the craziest thing
0: they play that particularly well and i think one of the reasons why i know probably a lot of people just watch this movie as some type of comfort food sometimes but i also feel we talk about infinity war like the ending being just like a gut punch yeah in in a lot of ways kind of hard i feel like this movie is really hard especially just given the way things have happened over the last year with the pandemic and it just it just feels like it hits really close mm-hmm. uh really close to home especially
1: how recent the movie came out you know just like you know we you were mentioning this too i don't know like like the fact that this was this felt like the last blockbuster
0: like and there were other big movies that came out in 2019 but this felt like the last hurrah for hollywood movies as we knew them in the pre 2020 world
1: and just even like seeing the seeing this movie in theaters Again, like you know, obviously we're talking about the theater experience. Um, it's 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 hard to describe really just how like much I think both you and I miss that. Like like it's it's getting harder to say just thinking about it because I'm I, I hate to get emotional on the show, but it's it's happened a few times. <laughs> but uh, it's it's really strange, and I actually got to see this movie early.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: I got to see I got to see it um, before the huge crowds, which. In a weird way makes it feel sort of upsetting in a way. Because I, I I mean, while I did see it again and I saw it with a big crowd and it was a lot of fun, just even even though it was a few it was a few weeks after it already been out, like people were still reacting to it. People were still, you know, cheering when Captain America, you know, called Mjolnir to him, or, you know, when, you know, Iron Man snaps his fingers and, you know, says, I am Iron Man, or even just the funeral scene at the end. Like people were still very much reacting in a huge way to these things, but even though I got to see it early, which was really cool, um, I it was, it was, it was kind of sad that I didn't get to have that first, especially in retrospect that I didn't get to have that first kind of like, you know, everybody in the same room together you know, for the first time experiencing it all and, I mean, it didn't change the power of the movie, because I, I reacted you know, at everything, because it was just such a an experience, but Right, the fact that you know, I would have loved to just when Cap caught the shield, the, the cheers for the first time, people seeing that, or um, any of those moments. I don't know. Like, it's there's a little bit of like an upsetting aspect to it, but it is nice that I got to see it early, though. I guess I don't know. I, I, I'm starting to trail off. I'm sorry. Uh,
0: I'll br- I'll bring up my my experience. Um, it was also a weird thing for me because my mom was in vacationing in Florida at the time, mm-hmm. and my mom has seen all of the Marvel movies. And she's not, you know, she she likes watching the superhero movies. She likes seeing Robert Downey Jr. and all these movies. My mom likes
1: Robert Downey Jr. as well.
0: Yeah. And it was weird not seeing one with her in theaters, but she got to see it that the opening night. I got her tickets when she was in Florida. Um, So we were able to talk about it a bit after, you know, after we both saw it. But, I the one of the big moments I'll never forget is after Thor cuts off Thanos' head. Yes, which you w- like, and I like I like that this happened because in so many stories, like you know, there's people like to think, oh yeah, if we just kill the thing, it's going to be so satisfying, everything's going to be solved. But in the case of what Thanos did, like it did not, and it, it, you're just left with just feeling really crappy. And Thor killed Thanos, and he walks out and you hear that dramatic music. And the screen go blood, blood blood
1: on Nebula's face, blood on his and his uh, on Stormbreaker,
0: and the biggest, the loud, like audible gasp. Five years later, oh my
1: god! And even just the fact that they, I honestly think that if they if they didn't care about getting an R rating, they would have kept like they would have showed you him chopping his head off, as opposed to having to frame it the way that they did. Just, just to like remind you that this is not a triumphant moment. I mean, you still saw some of it though, which was, which is probably one of the more visceral or not visceral, but one of the most violent things outside of Thanos choking Loki in Infinity War that I think I've seen in a Marvel
0: movie. Yeah. That's a hard, that's a hard scene to sit through with, too. Even knowing like all the, all the terrible things Loki, Loki had done uh, uh, up to, up to that point, you know, and just like seeing him go out. Like it's also a crazy like thing to set up your villain too. like the villain of the first Avengers movie. This, this <laughs> is like, <laughs> what a, nope. what a wimp.
1: <laughs> but then again, you know, he, he got beat up a lot in that first one, but that's beside the point. It's still it's, he, he did. He... But I think Loki, <laughs> Loki was able to, like, redeem himself a little bit in my eyes in the other movies, but still. <laughs> that is a great way to introduce Thanos into, like, being, like, the central
0: villain. Yeah, and, like, this movie, a lot of it is is about, like, the trauma that you carry. Like, the, the guilt that you carry for not accomplishing a task. Because the Avengers... Yeah, they've had their like failings and stuff over the years here and there, but obviously this was the bit the biggest one. Like Cap thinking about the fact that all those people are all those people are gone, including you know his his best bud is gone. Right, Hulk puts it perfectly where he lost to Thanos twice as Bruce Banner and as the Hulk, which is why why he becomes you know smart Hulk. Uh, Black Widow thinking about all the stuff, and she's, like, preoccupied with everything to the point where it's, like, she's, like, paranoid about, like, an earthquake, and they're like, Nat, it's an earthquake, we can't do anything about it, just stop, stop trying to, you can't control everything, mm-hmm. or, obviously, Iron-, Iron Man, like, Tony's, like, fully, like, I got a family and stuff, I I, I-, I hate, th- I-, I-, I moved on, you know, and then Thor became, you know, Bro Thor.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Good old the the big Thorbowski, I guess? I don't know. i was just as a failed attempt, but, but or even just like Hawkeye, you know, while he wasn't immediately involved in, in Infinity War, we still saw what happened. And he he literally became you know, a Ronin, as he's called in the movie. Like, you know, he has he has no clan. He has no family. And so he takes all of his all of his energy and his time out on criminals in vicious ways and say like no like you guys don't deserve to live. And so Like every
0: everybody everybody else got Thanos, you have me.
1: Exactly. But just seeing the effect on everybody and how that moment and like you were even talking about how and I kind of agree with this too, it's just that uh in it in uh, far from home how it's kind of like seen as silly. Like the blip or whatever,
0: and the other problem with it too is that you never really deal with the characters like, like everybody, all the major characters in Far From Home were blipped. Yeah, they were they were dusted. So there's no, con, there's no real major consequences except they have to restart a year of school. Oh no, like you got held you back. <laughs> you got <laughs> held back. You know, it just it just feels really, really, really silly. But, like, what well, things like WandaVision, what like Endgame does is that they, they make you feel like these events were really traumatic for people. Like, even in, in, um, especially in, in WandaVision, when everybody comes back, it's still like a very traumatic, like,
1: like stressful Like, th- They missed five thing. years of their lives.
0: And they, they're like, what, what?
1: It's like, it, like, there was, like, for, for all the people, let me say this to you guys for all the people that thought what Thanos did might have been the right thing, it wasn't good for anyone. No. No. If you were still here, you effectively lost someone for five years of your life and they were gone. You had like five years is enough time to not only, you know, grieve, but also to like with Tony, he moved on. He got a family, he has a daughter at this point. Or, you know, for your life to almost completely change, given that those events. And then those people come back exactly how they were before they left. And it's, like, like, it's euphoric a little bit. But it's also, like, you know, for them, it's, like, what happened? Like, like you know, we're talking about WandaVision again a little bit. Just, like, how Monica was, like, where's my mom? Where's my mom? And, they're like, she died three years ago. Yeah. Like, Wow. Like, how, how, uh, it's, it's, th- this was not, like, a little thing for these characters. It's something they genuinely felt.
0: And I, I, again, you gotta, like, I know a lot of the big things, there's, like, character moments and goofy things and, like, Cap picking up Mjolnir, but can we appreciate, that like, just the actors in, in the, in these movies, they are so good. One of my, one of my favorite bits, we always joke about the, what like, the line in this is, is when to- Tony's talking about the pre-Vengers. mm mm-hmm. But like he's so good in that in, in that moment, you know, and it, it's one of those moments where I actually do feel the consequences of civil war. Cause I feel like civil war it kinda happens, and then for a lot of the MCU it's just kinda like, oh, we drifted apart. But the ending of Civil War made it seem kinda goofy. Yeah. It was like Tony Stank and he got he got a letter and it seemed like <laughs> things were okay. What?
1: What? But then it's like then then like um I still remember the bit like in Infinity War when uh when 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 Bruce Banner comes back to Earth and and he's told that the Avengers broke up, he's like, like, the Beatles? What, what do you mean? <laughs> like, what do you mean they broke up? And then, like, they, it, it's kind of like the starting off, like, almost the start of that kind of seeing the ramifications of Civil War thing, I think. Yeah. Which leads to that really kind of intense scene between, you know, Tony, who's incredibly malnourished, who's incredibly, you know, fatigued from being stuck in space with Nebula for a while.
0: And he got and he nearly got killed by Thanos.
1: Yes. Yes. And just with all those and losing Peter Parker and losing Spider Man, who he was very close with in these movies. So again, this is like like he just a really sad, like traumatic moment. And so to have him, you know, come back to Earth and then see Cap again, literally like it makes perfect sense why he would yell at him. Yeah. Why he would be like, you told us we would lose together. You told us that if we lost, we would do it together. Where were you? We lost. We lost a lot. And you were gone.
0: And I also, we were talking about like, you were talking about how like, you know, Thanos, like what he did was not good at all. Yeah. And I feel like a little bit of it like Infinity War, like if people have an issue with is that Thanos is like the protagonist. Yeah. In that, in that movie, not necessarily the hero. Yeah. He's the character he's, with a wish. He's the central character. Yeah, he is the central character in in that movie. Everything connects back to him. In this movie, I like. I am so like. Yeah, usually people want more complicated villains. In this movie, I am glad he is a piece of shit. Yeah, like I am glad he is just a monster, and it really shows you that Thanos. Thanos's the vision is not was not that good. No, it wasn't that compelling. Even he's even even, even he's like maybe I should have done more. Maybe I could, I should have gone farther because you guys clearly couldn't handle my previous vision. No, I, I need, I need to set where I'm just the boss of everything. Yeah. And like all life is gone. He's, he is an evil monster. And Josh Brolin, I mean, cause Thanos is not really the main focus of this. The main focus of this is them getting the gems and trying to bring people back, which is a cool thing. Like trying to like, like say like, it's like save people is, is nice. You know, um, and there's no major, not too many major fights that happen in the movie till like, you know, the very the very ends, like the big, the really big one. Yeah. But you know, like that, like Josh Brolin does a very good job once again with this character, and like despite the fact that he doesn't get as much screen time as he did the previous installment,
1: with that, but because of that previous installment, he's able to, we're, you're able to let the like the amount of time Thanos shows up relax a lot more, so you're oh, you're sure. able to let him kind of be the antagonist he's supposed to be but he is very good in this movie even if you kind of hate him <laughs> which we both do yeah we we both we both hate Thanos but like that that's that's a lot of that is you know obviously by design and you know Josh Brolin's so good in the movie but let's talk about the the actual kind of core of the movie because this is ultimately a time travel movie this is this is this is a back-to-the-future hot tub time machine, Bill and Ted, whatever you want to... Like, all the different movies they listed. Time after time.
0: after time. <laughs> Quantum Leap. Not Die Hard, though. Die Hard is not a time travel movie. No, it's not.
1: It could be, but it's not. <laughs> just imagine, like, like Bruce Willis stuck in a really, like, crap time machine, like, <laughs> just with a little lighter, like...
0: Uh. Ugh. <laughs> Go back to the year... night. 19- go to the 80s. Have a few laughs. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you, 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 you cowboy... You, you think you can go back to the year... 1988? <laughs> That'd be funny. <laughs> but yeah, it is a time travel movie... This movie, feel, it feels like three movies. Yeah. It feels like three, because like, it feels like this. a lot of the second half is that time travel story, where you have some people going off to Asgard in 2013, some people are going off to space in 2014, or back to New York in, uh, in back in the first, like, the Avengers 1, you know?
1: Yeah, you know, and I say this in the nicest possible way. I don't mean this in a condescending way. But ultimately, especially with with the time travel stuff... This feels like a clip show series finale thing, but it's the best version of that I've ever seen. That that's the thing.
0: It's just like Marvel does something, you're just like, oh man, what are they? But they're doing it better than. Anyone else? Anyone else out there is doing it, you know. Oh. So you can't have that much of a problem with it. Plus, there are some like really fun like crossover moments, like uh, moments you wouldn't have thought about before. But then it's like, oh wow, this is neat. Like Hulk meeting with um, you know, with Tilda Swinton's. Ca- yeah. Is she, is she the an- is she the ancient one? I think so. At that, at that ancient whatever yeah. sort, you know, she's you know Tilda Swinton or like. I love seeing Robert Redford again yes. seeing some of the winter soldier winter soldier characters in um in the Avengers like twenty twelve. That was kind of fun. Or even and just like
1: or even just like I think the main the main thing that I've taken away from from this scene outside of it just being like a really well done clip show is that it also kind of shows the progression of these characters and, and, and what they've learned since since we saw these characters at this particular time period. So like I love, I love the bit that almost feels like somewhat of a meta-commentary, given all that anyone could talk about when this movie came out, especially in comparison to like Man of Steel when that was coming out. How, uh, when the Hulk, Professor Hulk, or Smart Hulk, or whatever he was, whatever the affectionate way to call him is, uh, sees himself from 2012 destroying things, and then Cap's like, you're probably gonna have to smash things along the way. he's like, I think it's a bit gratuitous, but whatever. <laughs> 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 or um i love uh i love all the bits with cap in the past and like how he's just kind of acknowledging like some of the stuff about how he was like uh i love that he kind of uses what he knows like the hail hydra thing i think was really cool kind of callback
0: I really love. I really love what it was just like I could do this all day. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> and he's just like, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. I know, I know. <laughs> that was really funny. Uh, but yeah, I like all those moments. Even just Cap in general in the movie, I think, is great. And just how much he's changed, and how much more he's... I always think about how much more he swears in this one, like, because there's that joke in in Age of Ultron, he's like, language! But then this one, he's like, son of a bitch, and then he's like, that is America's ass. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, he, he has a lot of great moments, but it's also too good, too, because the last movie is not a Captain America movie. No. He's effectively a supporting character. In fact, I said this to you, there was an early draft of the screenplay where Captain America didn't show up until he had to sh- save vision like and that's kind of crazy to think like you you're holding back one of your big superheroes for that you would hold them back for that long but obviously they couldn't really do that no you you, you could never do that <laughs> you could never i i wanted to see that but oh well it's it's fine but but he but he's really good in this of course chris evans is is captain america really one of the best casting decisions they ever made with any of these movies agree even just like how how much you like these characters over the years, like the ones that just appear for like the one scene at the end, like the, the big the big like, you know, culmination of everything, like when when you see like Black Panther just coming in couldn't you know, he yeah. passed uh, past the gauntlet, you know, at the end. And like or like, just like seeing some. I still remember when he says that I'm like, He
1: remembered his name.
0: He cared that <laughs> <laughs> That that is great, or just like the small moments that the, like some of the, some of the guardians uh, that are not Rocket or Nebula get get to have in the movie. And I also am glad too that even though it's sort of like another timeline version, or like you know, it's the it's the 2014 Gamora that we have Gamora back. Mm-hmm. Just I like Zoe, Zoe Saldana again, again in these movies.
1: Again, Zoe Saldana. If you want to get a movie great and have it make a lot of money, just cast Zoe Saldana.
0: Just do it can we can we just call can we call this episode uh saldana endgame yes <laughs> <laughs> that, that, uh, <laughs> no, just call it
1: we'll call it avatar endgame the zoe saldana story <laughs>
0: uh the, instead of the way the, like i think one of the titles i heard people say for like avatar 2 was the way of water the way of saldana like yeah yes
1: yeah just no, it just don't even call it just call it saldana
0: Everybody One will word. know. Anybody who, <laughs> who is important will know. Exactly. But like, I just, it just, just the little moments that you have with these characters um, and just, again, how far we've come because you're able to show off so many just crazy, wild things. Like, you have a gigantic Paul Rudd who punches a space whale. That's just
1: beautiful. That's, listen, I don't, listen, I, as much as I love and I'll always love Martin Scorsese, that is cinema. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like i went there marty
0: <laughs> uh no, or or just like how crazy like like tessa thompson riding a pegasus into battle st- attacking these giant things like it, it just so many goofy things this this going on this is also
1: like payoff the movie too like, like we talk about like setup and payoff like there's things that they pay off in this movie that are like moments from like eight or eight eight or nine movies ago you know, like, even just, like, that moment of Cap picking up the hammer, it could have just been, like, that one moment in Age of Ultron, it's like, okay, cool, but no, they yeah. made it a thing, and it was a great moment.
0: It was one of those things where I'm glad the fan, like, usually with fan service, is a kind of a mixed thing, but I'm glad that the, the fan service in some of those moments did, like, you know, yeah. did come up. Um, I, 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 I want to talk about this, because it leads into some of the other stuff, but, like, I like that everybody, all the main Avengers do have that arc. We kind of talked about that earlier, and they have their own way of of dealing with what happened. But also, they each get a moment to shine. But there is one that we're going to ta- save for a little bit, and you know what we're gonna yeah save. Yeah, we're going to save that. But but Cap Cap got to lift Mjolnir, and he got to have his dance with Peggy. Like that is oh such my a beautiful, God. and that's what caps off Cap caps off the main the movie proper,
1: like the. The fact that the, think about this too, like as far as like that saga, the infinity saga is beautiful. Like that's the final moment is Cap and Peggy finally dancing, finally getting that moment. It's amazing.
0: Um, so we got it. That, that Hulk, um, was the one who got to bring everybody back. This is a a being who has been known as like an engine of destruction, but he was able to effectively save everybody. You know, he didn't get to do a lot of smashing in this movie, but that's probably kind of the point.
1: Was it like it it wouldn't have made as much sense with the way his character is too, but it's it's very nice that again, it's that elevating, it's that evolving of character going from when we first met him when he was Edward Norton <laughs> to to now <laughs> um and how just much he's grown. Through all these movies, and and even and he's and you also got to remember too, Hulk's the only character that doesn't have a franchise technically, outside of one movie technically, because yeah. Universal owns, I believe, the distribution rights still.
0: They have like the, yeah, there's the solo for the solo movies. So um yeah, they...
1: and so I I was happy that Marvel was able to figure out a way to give him an arc as as he's kind of a side character. So like while like while like you look at like say Thor Ragnarok and you're like, is there a reason for Hulk to be in this movie? Not entirely. But it's amazing that they incorporated him and made him a part of the plot.
0: Or also to we, we mentioned Ronan, I mean, and like Hawkeye's, you know, character and, and Jeremy Renner, I'm glad he got more to do uh in these in this in this movie, and he he's he's a, he's pretty good. But let's talk about like one of the this was a controversial thing that happened. Hmm. Uh so we're talking about what happens with Thor.
1: I love this. <laughs> I'm saying that right now.
0: It was it's wild but in the best possible way.
1: Like, and I've said this to you when we were, talk- when we were talking about uh, Infinity War a little bit, how it is a great way to start off the movie and it is a real gut punch to, like, have Thanos come in and literally kill half of the Asgardians and not even, like, in the snap. Like, they're dead. They're not coming back, which is even more brutal to think about. Um, or, like, even uh, Heimdall, was killed. And, uh, you know, all these other characters. Um, so it is kind of a bummer that with all the stuff that was developed in Ragnarok, that it would go to that point in Infinity War. that it almost feels like somewhat of a backstep for me personally. But when we get to Endgame and we start Thor's arc, it's, it feels like in that same ballpark, like such a radical change and like in a, in a, in the best way that I personally was like, so, and the fact that they kept him fat, they didn't like do some weird, like he's going to like shoot lightning and get his armor and then he'll get thin again. No, he was fat in that armor. And you know what? That
0: was awesome. I also, uh, one of my favorite parts too, and it's such a wholesome moment where he's in 2013 and he sticks his hand out
1: and it's like a disco pose, like the disc, like yeah. I mean, just that, like disco pose and, and, and rat and rocket's like, what is that? What is he doing? It takes a second.
0: <laughs> and he's like, I'm still still worthy. And it's like that's such a wonderful like you know, affirming moment mm-hmm. you know, for, for that for that character. Unlike what happens on Vormir in this film. I hate this. <laughs> you know what, I'm gonna let you go with this one. Go for it. Alright, okay. Okay. Now I know <laughs> Black Widow is not probably not anybody's favorite Avenger, to- except for maybe Scarlett Johansson because she gets a paycheck, which is nice.
1: The tone of your voice is just getting, like, it just made me laugh. I'm sorry.
0: Okay, like you know, and I get, I, I get, you gotta, you gotta make the stakes high with these movies. You gotta make the stakes high, but it's a, it's damn insulting when you just repeat the same scene from the previous movie. Okay. And you kill off the only female character out of your six main Avengers, mm-hmm. and basically what she becomes is a piece of jewelry. She's important because of her death, and that she's a piece of jewelry now. She's the Soul Stone, effectively. She is
1: effectively, <laughs> and I hate that this is the case. She is effectively a plot device.
0: Like at least with with with, with Tony, like yeah, he dies, but he he got to he got to do it on his. On, I feel like on his terms, really. And like, like, you could argue too, Black Widow was trying to, was doing it, but like she, like, it, it was, it's just, it just plays poorly. It's, it's, it's the
1: execution of it. Yeah. It's even like every beat is exactly the same as Zoe Seldana's death in Infinity War. It's just the, the, the way they get to that point is different, but everything else is exactly the damn same. And even 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 the music cue of when she dies is exactly the same.
0: And uh, it, it it's just it's just really it's really frustrating that both times that we had we went to Vormir, two late two ladies get killed off. Yeah, like it, it's 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 really annoying. And and normally like I'd be like okay whatever, but it's like. It, it it just it just doesn't play w- right with me. And it, the first time I saw it, I was kind of like whatever. But it's like every time I see it, it's just like that's the one really big thi- issue I take away. You know what? No,
1: home, no. I have this like when I saw it for the first time, I had the exact same feeling. Like watching that scene, like you, it just felt like a waste. Like this, this is how you're going to use this character, and you're going to do it by copying what you already did. Where it's, it just, it didn't feel good at all. Like, it's it's definitely the one point in the movie that feels
0: the lowest. Yes. It, it's it's the worst thing in the movie. Otherwise, I think it's pretty much perfect for what it's trying to aspire to do. And it it reaches a lot of those heights. It's just that moment is just so, it's just so bad. Like, I, it, it's it's just legitimately bad. And, and it feels like a joke, too, when they're, like, trying to fight over who's gonna have to kill themselves. Yeah. And that's so dumb. That is so dumb. It's like,
1: come on! It's so weird. And then also, there's just like that whole, you know. Well, what about like that scene at the end when all the girls come up and it's like, no, no, that that feels forced as well.
0: It it, it again. I excuse. I, I see what you mean. It's people have their feelings with that with that scene it's like it's whatever it, it's just, honestly it just kind of plays off more like wow you have all these dudes and then you have this is all the women in our universe that are of any significance <laughs> it's, it's, it's like look what we got like uh-huh
1: <laughs> like they were they were badass you didn't have to like they're badass enough already i mean <laughs> and it's and then it's like well she's also getting her own movie like yeah finally like, how long did it take you to do a Black Widow movie? How long until after you were done with your story? That should have happened after
0: Avengers 1.
1: At least after Avengers 1.
0: I, I know people have their feelings with the Black Widow character and Scarlett Johansson, but if this was anybody else, I guarantee you, more people would have a problem with this. Yeah. Like, if, if this... Like, let's just... let Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think of another of another like character. Like, let's just say this happened to Tessa Thompson. Like, there would, there would be riots. <laughs> <laughs> like, we just met her! We just met this person. No, but it, it, it just plays off bad. That, that's, like, the one, like, major, major, major gripe I have with this movie. Just to finish that off, like, there's, there's
1: no, like, like, but in this scenario. Like, it's just, it was just a bad scene. And just, yeah. like, there's no, like, but there's this moment later. Like, no. Or, like, but she's getting her own, no. There's no but. It's just a bad moment. This is, ugh.
0: Yeah, but tr- moving beyond that, moving beyond that. I do want to talk about the box office of this movie just briefly. I was
1: surprised he didn't I was surprised this wasn't like the launching off point
0: for this. <laughs> but I I, f- I feel like with this movie, like Avatar already said to you the the long number that it was. This movie only beat Avatar Can you guess by how much? It's in the millions. Uh,
1: okay, um this is going to be a bad guess cuz I'm not good
0: at this. Uh 500 million. 7 million. <laughs> and this is not to dog on Avengers Endgame. It's just to show you it's just to show you like how like the 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 in, the how much money Avatar made in 2009 and 2010. Just to think just to think, think about it. and it took Avengers Endgame a movie that had 21 movies all the comics, all of like the the me- childhood memories you had of this franchise, to that point to make it just barely creep ahead, and 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 you know what too,
1: I remember like conversations with friends and coworkers when the movie was coming out, how much of a drive there was to dethrone Avatar. Like, I remember... Dude, there were people just seeing it on repeat just to dethrone it! Yeah, exactly! Just to dethrone Like, Avatar. I just remember, like, people <laughs> go, I really hope this movie beats Avatar. Like, there was, like, such a drive and a desire to dethrone Avatar with Endgame. Oh, yeah. It's kind of weird, and it's still weird to think about.
0: It, it is It is very strange. Like, but, what, uh, but it just goes to show you, like, how impressive, like, James Cameron's, like, box office run is because when he made Titanic nothing was even close. Nothing was, was even was even close. When, Ty- when James Cameron made Avatar, and that made $2.7 billion, there were four other movies, or like three or four other movies, yeah, four movies in history that had crossed a billion dollars. One of them being Titanic, but like the other ones were just, it's just not even close. Not even close. Like, even if you took away Avatar's domestic run out of it, mm-hmm. it would still be, it would still be like in, be in the top five or six biggest movies of all time without the entire North American box office. That is nuts. That is insane. But but also too Avengers like complete opposite of Avatar because Avatar made like seventy seven million opening weekend. Avengers End Game has the opening opening weekend record. Okay, it has the opening weekend record, uh, both worldwide and domestic. Uh, for domestic, three hundred fifty seven million. Opening weekend, it it beat the record. I think that was set up by Infinity War by a hell of a lot. (laughs) By like I think like almost like a hundred million or something crazy like that. Wow. (laughs) I mean,
1: mean, but then again, it's like I kind of you kind of like especially these days when you think of Marvel, you just kind of expect it. But with that one, especially, you were like, "There's no way this wasn't." It almost felt like there was no way that this wasn't going to be like the biggest movie of all time. Yeah,
0: it, it just like it just goes to show you how much. Marvel has dominated the conversation over the last decade plus, you know, mm-hmm. and just how much, how much of an impact that it, 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 really has. And I know people don't like to pay attention to the, the money side of these things, but it's important. It's, it is important on some level. It's an, it's an important, I mean, it's a business. It's a business. Yes.
1: A big reason why a lot of these, a lot of movies are made is money.
0: <laughs> I'd say that's that's most of the reason. Either that, or even if they're not made for theaters, they're made to drive up subscriptions, a la money.
1: And I mean, like people, like whenever, like I talk to like film friends or people talk about movies in general, like they obviously, you know, you want to talk about the artistic side of it, but you can't ignore the money side because it's, it's, it's 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 important. Like for me personally, like I might not think of it all that much. In regards to movies, but I don't disregard it. Yeah, because it, it's 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 an incredibly important thing,
0: and, and also just to just to just to show the importance of China because it does get talked about a lot with these movies. China, the uh, Avengers Endgame made six hundred twenty nine million dollars just in China. Just to just to highlight kind of that point as, as as well, but with both of these movies, I mean I feel like it, uh, one of the other things with Avengers Endgame is that there are some exciting moments, but my big my big thing is I, I get like, it's a decimated battlefield at the end and, and, and all that, but I, I liked how colorful Avatar was in a lot of those big, like, action scenes, mm-hmm. and it, it it fit with the movie, it didn't, like, detract like, it, it, it they worked for what, what they were trying to go for but there's just a, such an impressive, like, technical feat with Avatar.
1: I think too about the the, di- the, the one big difference that I can't I constantly go back to with these two movies is that one is a completely original idea, and you know, again, high points, low points, whatever. It's something that James Cameron made up. He put the work in. He he didn't have, like I said, a guidebook to help him get to a certain point. He he made it all himself. And uh, with Endgame, it was a whole other thing. And just, just, just the MCU in general, like, you know, you, like we're obviously talking about, like, superheroes and especially Marvel are the driving force for blockbusters and the driving force for so much of that types, type, types of movies that it's kind of upsetting and sad that we don't really get a lot of original big blockbusters anymore. It's kind of it's kind of it's actually not even kind of upsetting, it's very upsetting cuz you know, anytime we do get some kind of big original exciting thing, it doesn't attract the attention because there's no familiarity. You know, it's not, you know, I don't I don't relate to this particular that particular character. You know, these days people latch on a lot more to nostalgia and latch on a lot more to things that they're familiar with. And so, a lot of the biggest movies that we have now are Based on a, a, a list, like superheroes, it's kind of like a perfect time period for them to thrive because of the mindset, because there is so much history that people have of these characters and going into, you know, that's, that's like, I think the thing that Marvel did really well is that they adapted these characters so, so wonderfully. That's why DC has failed a lot with some of their earlier movies is that the characters don't feel like who they're supposed to be. You know, Superman doesn't feel like Superman at all. And as a DC fan, that's very frustrating because I would love to have had that big moment at the end where Superman could have had some kind of final triumphant moment going up against Darkseid. But, you know, and, and, if, and if that's something that you like, if you like those like Snyder movies, that's awesome. I'm happy that you were able to enjoy them. But, you know, it is sort of a, a slight bummer that because like something that I like didn't, you know, get to have that same kind of glory, I guess. But,. That's a small thing in comparison to, like, how uh, sad it is that, like, I remember, like, when Pacific Rim came out and how much we loved that movie. Yeah. And oh yeah, how awesome it would have been if that spawned, like, a huge franchise from that. Because when's the, when's the last time we saw, like, there was a genuine big franchise starter that made a lot of money? That was a big blockbuster. Do you know?
0: A, no, a non-IP, like, a non, like, you know... Like, it wasn't, like, a Planet of the Apes remake. It wasn't another Batman movie. It wasn't the the fifth iteration of Spider-Man. It, it's 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 a head-scratcher, honestly. And that's why I'm so excited for the Avatar sequels, admittedly. Because I'm like, you know what? What You know what I like about this? It's like, yeah, some of the stories can be somewhat generic, but I don't know exactly what's going to happen. Like, with Marvel, I can tell you, okay, yeah, Thanos killed a bunch of people, but a lot of those people are coming back. You, and also, how many
1: people actually
0: knew that the... Th- that- Endgame was going to be about time travel. Pretty much everyone. Yeah, everybody. Everybody guessed it. Yeah. Everybody and their mothers guessed it would be about time travel. You know, maybe the mechanics were a little different, but you knew. And even, like, with like something like, if like the, my hesitation with, like, Star Wars prequel things is that you know where it's going to end up. Yeah. You know, ultimately, where it has to end up. But with Avatar, it's just like, we, we don't, I mean, we know, like, the Pandora thing in Animal Kingdom, like, it's set 100 years after the movies, but that's all you really know. I don't know what's going to happen to N'Jire. N'Jire could die in the next movie, for all I know. Jake Sully could die. Everybody could die. Then the third movie is like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We got we got a whole new set of characters, guys. <laughs> like that's just whole new people. Yeah, and then, like the, like the whole movie is just just uh, CCH Pounder uh, screaming. And you know what? Like, I'm fine. Cool. <laughs> that's great. Let, let, let me go. I get my popcorn. Richard, go to Ohio. We're going to see this thing. Wear a mask, please. <laughs> yes. Be vaccinated. Um <laughs> Yeah. But this, this week, man. This week. I'm getting it. Cheer. <laughs> um
1: <laughs> That was my sound effect of someone getting a needle in their arm. <laughs> but I will say away from just like that, I will say that while it does kind of suck that we don't have that, there is no denying, like I've said, that Endgame deserves what it got. It's a quality movie. It's a, like, it's a quality like, movie. I don't think I thought. I don't think I ever imagined that this huge connected cinematic universe thing would end as satisfying as it did. Personally,
0: no, neither did I. There was a,
1: like and I think this is the same for you as well. There was a point where we were both like just we just didn't give a crap anymore. Like it was that it was that like set like phase two period where it was like Thor the Dark World. And then there was like right. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, some of those, and like even age, even like the sequel to Avengers was just like lackluster in a lot of ways. With like, it just felt like from that point we were just getting like a few great movies, like you know Guardians of the Galaxy, Winter Soldier, a few movies that were just like you know okay, this is why I enjoy these movies. But then every now and then it's still just kind of like, eh. but to get to that point, even so, with Endgame to just tell this huge crazy story that paid off twenty one other movies. Was it's a beautiful thing.
0: Ultimately, I think. I think regardless, you can have problems with either one. They both had their fair share of issues. Yeah. Issues, whether it be the white savior trope, that some of the dialogue sucks in Avatar, or that maybe I was being too nice to 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 the main <laughs> character, or Avengers End Game, how it, it is like, it is just Disney capitalism, nostalgia, the movie, uh, trademark, and. The Scarlet Witch thing, not Scarlet Witch, sorry, um, Scarlet Johansson's yeah. fate in that movie is kind of dumb. Uh, but ultimately, you have to admire the hell out of both of these movies. Even if you hate Marvel movies, and even if you hate James Cameron movies, or hate Blue Cat People movies, you gotta admire these movies. They're the biggest movies of all time for a reason, even if people forgot about the James Cameron one. Yeah, exactly. And you can't take away the
1: experience you had watching these movies. I'll never, I'll never, you, I'll never forget watching both these movies for the first time. Even if I don't exactly remember if I saw Avatar the first weekend, I'll always remember like the awe-inspiring nature of seeing in three D Pandora, and you know, seeing like the bioluminescence and seeing uh, the banshees, seeing all the different animals and the Navi and the that fight scenes, and then with Endgame, like all the like the different moments and funny or traumatic, like. It's it it's we don't get it it's a, it's a sad thought to think that we might not get that again, or at least that's what it feels like now.
0: Yeah, I mean, and this this is a big question mark for like Marvel. Like, are movies ever going to make a billion dollars ever again? Like, I, I like ultimately, like they'll the movie studios will be fine because they got streaming services and all that. But like, I think about something like Avatar where. That that Avatar two is gonna be really reliant on 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 box office to be a hit. It's not like you can't count on just being a, even like a Disney plus like subscriber exclusive thing. You know, it, it, it's it's impractical as far as the economics. But damn it, I want to see these movies. I want to see like just big spectacle movies like Avatar and Endgame are the reasons why you really go to the movies in a lot of they ways. Are. I know people talk about like independent cinema and like talk about like smaller movies, and those are all great. But you know what? I go to the movies to see to see things like Jake Sully flying on what is basically a goddamn dragon or like seeing, you know, Captain America lift up a hammer and beat up Grimace. Or think
1: about like just going off of these movies for a second, like how kind of I imagine how bummed you got to be, depending on, you know, the time frame of this, that you might not get to see Godzilla versus Kong in
0: theaters. Yeah, I might not. Which I might not. (laughs) That just sucks. (laughs) I mean, uh, uh, like I want, I'm, I'm getting my vaccine soon. Um, we'll see, we'll see what happens, you know, and I don't want to shell out. I don't know if I want to shell out $250 for a private (laughs) screening, even though it's something I've looked forward to my whole life, but we'll see what happens with that. I don't know, (laughs) but this I've this is a long this will be a long episode, but I am actually very okay with it. I'm looking forward to having to edit this. This is actually gonna be a lot of fun yeah. to and you know to this what? conversation at least it wasn't four hours of Star Wars. <laughs> no, it's not. It, it's it's you know I think it's a good um'm I'm, I'm excited. Anyway, uh, folks, tell us your favorite experiences at the movies. Tell us like what you miss the most about the movies. What is your favorite movie going experience? Yada, yada. Do you like Endgame? Did you forget about Avatar? Do you like Avatar? Do you hate Avatar? Just let us know regardless and we'll, we'll bring you up on the show if you want. Um, contact us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Richard and I both got letterboxes and YouTube channels. The two dudes have a YouTube channel. We're still trying to work on content for that YouTube channel. We'll get there. There's a lot of things going on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, please, 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 please check us out next week. Have a good night, everyone.
1: Thank you for listening to this week's episode in which we talked about the two biggest movies of all time. And when I say that, yes, I do mean Avatar's number one and Endgame is number two. We didn't have that information a month ago when we recorded this. I'm sorry, but we know now, yes, Avatar 1, Endgame 2, done. Anyways, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Thanks to John and Kenny Armstrong for making such great music. And of course, a hint to next week's double feature. We're going from talking about the two biggest movies of all time to talking about the two biggest movie icons of all time, a atomic, fire-breathing lizard, and a big monkey. Stay tuned!